0: The day is done And there's no one else around While I'm lying here in bed You're in my heart, you're in my head You're all I need You're all I need There are a million voices Calling out my name But you're the one I want to hear So make the others disappear You're all I need You're all I need You are all I need When I'm surrounded You are all I need If I'm by myself You fill me When I'm empty There is nothing else You're all I need When the morning comes And your mercy is renewed There's a fire in my bones I'm not afraid to go alone You're all I need You're all I need The sun on my face I hear you whisper loud You're still the God that and seas. Every flower, even me, you're all I need, you're all I need. You are all I need when I'm surrounded, you are all I need if I'm by myself. You fill me when I'm empty, there is nothing else, you're all I need. To Everything that you do, nothing compares with you. You are all I need when I'm surrounded. You are all I need You're all I need. You're all I need.
1: This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, this is every day, not just good days, but bad days, and every day. This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to Al Brady Ministries. I'm so delighted you've joined me tonight, and I trust that the music and the sermon will be a blessing. Thank you again for your attendance. Would you hear now, please, the Word of God. I'm reading from the J.B. Phillips translation of the Bible, and I'm reading from Philippians, beginning with chapter 2 and verse 5. Let Christ Jesus be your example as to what your attitude should be. For he who had always been God by nature did not cling to his prerogatives as God's equal, but stripped himself of all privilege by consenting to be a slave by nature and being born as mortal man. And having become man, he humbled himself by living a life of utter obedience, even to the extent of dying. And the death he died was the death of a common criminal. That is why God has now lifted him so high and has given him the name beyond all names, So the name of Jesus every knee shall bear, whether in heaven or earth or under the earth. And that is why in the end every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. But listen again to this particular verse. Let Christ Jesus be your example as to what your attitude should be. This is the backdrop for our message tonight. Let us pray. Oh God, thank you for this opportunity. I pray that you touch me and touch someone else through me, and the praise and the glory will always be yours. Your will be done, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Amen. Wanted teacher must have the wisdom of Solomon, the patience of Job, and the courage of David. Must teach like St. Paul, stay cool under pressure like Shadrach. Must have Jonah's ability to bob up smiling, Daniel's faith in the midst of the lion's den and the confidence of Noah that the whole trip is worth the trouble. That's the ad I'd run in the paper if I wanted to find the ideal teacher. But what kind of ad would I run in the paper if I wanted to find the ideal Christian? What kind of ad would you run in the paper if you wanted to find the ideal Christian? Well, we probably don't know everything we put there. We do know some things. My ad for the ideal Christian might look something like this. Wanted, Christian, must keep a growing edge. Someone said that at whatever stage of life we find ourselves, we have to make a decision. We have four choices. We can quit, we can retreat, we can shift into neutral, or we can move ahead. There's a well-known cemetery in Switzerland where many of the great mountain climbers are buried. Some of the epitaphs on their tombstones are most appropriate, but there's one that's more appropriate than all the rest. Evidently, this man died while trying to scale this huge summit Underneath his name, chiseled into the tombstone, are these words, He died climbing. I like that. Even though that man died, he was ever moving ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the final sentence that God would like to put on your life and mine. He or she didn't die eating, no. He or she didn't die sleeping, no. He or she didn't die coasting, no. He or she didn't die looking back and counting previous victories, no. He or she died climbing, no ever moving ahead. There was a man in his forties who decided to quit his work and go back to school to become a minister of music. His wife, who was the president of the PTA and the church organist, had to give up her task and so the family of five began to prepare to move out of the community so he could become a minister of music. Local people couldn't understand it and one day when I said to him, it must have taken great faith for you to give up what you had and make a fresh start this far along life's way. Faith had nothing to do with it, he said. I just suddenly realized I had but one life to live and I had better be making the most of it. Making the most of our lives in this kind of world means keeping a growing edge. And then wanted Christian must possess a sense of humor. He or she must be able to laugh at disagreements, to smile when the going is rough, to grin at his or her own misfortunes to laugh itself. There's a little book called, Oh You Jigs and Juleps, that was written by a little ten-year-old girl who expresses something of this sense of humor. She commented on education, listen to what she said, education is what you learn in books, and nobody knows it but your teacher. I asked Miss Harris when we were plaiting rugs for her kitchen, what good Marco Polo would ever do me? And Miss Harris said, education gave you satisfaction. But I'd rather be ignorant and have fun than be educated and have satisfaction. Then she spoke of everlasting life. Listen to this. You're going to get it and you have to keep it. God sure was good to make heaven for us as long as we can't stay dead. But why he doesn't close up hell and do something about that, I don't know. If I have to go to hell, I sure hope I go to one for the Episcopalians. And don't by mistake get pushed in that horn-punching, tail wagon, red-hot blazing when the Baptists are going to have. You see, this woman, this child had a marvelous sense of humor. There was a teacher who happened to see a a little first-grade boy having trouble getting his rubber rain shoes on. She went over to him and she said, Son, can I help you with the shoes? The little boy said, Yes, sir. So the teacher began to push and struggle, push and struggle, finally got the shoes on. The little boy looked at him and said, That ain't mine. So the teacher went back over there and began to pull and struggle, pull and struggle, finally got the shoes off. The little boy looked at and said, They're my sisters, but my mama lets me wear them. Having a sense of humor is so important in the world today. If more people had a sense of humor, we would have less tension in the world, fewer people in our mental hospitals, and more understanding between people. And I guarantee you, your life and mine would operate a whole lot smoother. And then thirdly, wanted Christian? Must have a compassion for people, all people. When Alice Freeman Palmer, president of Wellesley College, was reproved for not lecturing more, she said she found a more effective medium for doing the things that she wanted to accomplish. She said it's people that count. You want to put yourself into people, big people, little people, good people, not so good people, all kinds of people. There were two fathers standing out in the yard, and of all things, they were arguing about how dumb their sons were. One well, I said, I bet you my son's dumb and yours. The other said, no, my son's dumb and yours. Said, I'll prove it to you. He said, son, come over here. Reached in his pocket, pulled out a nickel. He said, son, take this nickel and go buy me a Cadillac. His son turned around and left. said, I told you. He said, no, watch this. He said, son, come over here. His son came over there. He looked him dead in the eye. He said, run over to the drugstore and see if I'm there. His son turned around and left. Well, these two boys met up on the road about 30 minutes later. As they were walking along, all of a sudden, one of them said, I bet you my dad's dumb and yours. He said, No, my dad's dumb and yours. He said, No, my dad's dumb and yours. I said, I'll prove it to you. He said, A little while ago, my dad called me over, reached in his pocket, pulled out this nickel, gave it to me, told me to go buy a Cadillac. said, You know what? He didn't even tell me what color. The other fellow said, Oh, that's nothing. said, A little while ago, my dad called me over, looked me dead in the eye, told me to run over to the drugstore and see if he was there. said, There was a phone right beside him he could have called. It's people they count, big people, little people, good people, smart people, not so good people, all kinds of people. A fellow walked into a country store and said to the lady behind the counter, you got something for the hiccups? He just slapped him across the face. He said, what was that for? The man said, you don't have the hiccups anymore, do you? He said, no, but my wife does. She's in the car. It's people that count, big people, little people, good people, all kinds of people. I once heard a well-known theologian say that if John Wesley had died before his 37th birthday, his name would not even have been a footnote in a history book. It was after his 37th birthday that his conversion went from a passion for truth to a compassion for people, and after that, he was effective. I want you to listen to this illustration. William Sloan Coffin wrote in his book, Living the Truth in a World of Illusions, this statement. He said, God is made of one blood, all the peoples of the earth, black, white, yellow, red, smart and stupid, starved and stuffed from nations large and small, whatever our creed, we all belong to one another. That's the way God made us. And so we in the church will keep on talking about interdependence rather than independence, inclusivism rather than exclusivism. We'll talk about community rather than privatism. We'll talk about cooperation. My ideal Christian will understand that the finest things in life are wrapped up in the personalities of people. And then fourthly, wanted Christian must understand and realize the importance of integrity. A certain General Dean was captured by the Communists during the Korean War. It was in the town of chung that he was told that he had about 30 minutes in which to live, and he was asked if he wanted to write anything to his family. The author who was telling this story said, What under those circumstances would you write to your only son? The letter's only eight or nine lines, but it's a fascinating letter. Right down in the middle of the letter, General Dean said, Tell Bill the word is integrity. Notice he didn't say, Tell Bill the word is success. Tell Bill the word is security. Tell Bill the word is happiness. He said, Tell Bill the word is integrity. And, ladies and gentlemen, integrity is growing more and more important every day that this world continues. What is integrity? It's wholeness, it's soundness, it's character, it's consistency. One of the great preachers of the past said something like this He said, Whenever we do a business deal, it should have certain characteristics. We should ask ourselves, is it legal? Is it balanced? Will it make me feel good about myself? Wanted Christian must understand the importance of integrity. General Dean said, Tell Bill the word is integrity. He didn't say, Tell him the word is success or happiness or those kind of things. He said, Tell Bill the word is integrity. And then wanted Christian must understand that education by itself is not enough. Over the arch of the library doors of one of our great university campuses are called these words, Knowledge is the Hope of the World. While believing strongly in education and the educated processes, I say to you that is a mistaken paganistic philosophy of life. Knowledge by itself is not the hope of the world. Knowledge with a humane purpose is the hope of the world. In 1912, I want you to listen to what this prominent American educator said. He said, today we have no fear of wars, famine, pestilence, or failing resources. The advance of knowledge has safeguarded humankind against these ills. Poor, misguided, educated soul that he was. For since that day, we've gone through two world wars, a number of police actions in trouble spots around the world, and through the worst depression any nation has ever gone through and remained intact, and all in spite of education. I would remind you that the greatest threat to the world today is not the ignorant person. The greatest threat to the world today is the educated person of Russia, China, France, Britain, the United States, India, Pakistan, and other places because we are the nations that know how to build a hydrogen warhead. There was a German scientist who had the ability to fashion with his mind what he desired And so he went into the laboratory one day and as he was putting the finishing touches on this creation of his genius, he decided to make a man. And as he was putting the finishing touches on this creation of his genius, all of a sudden the created sat up and shouted, Give me a soul, give me a soul, give me a soul. It so startled that scientist that he ran out into the darkness, only to be pursued by his creation, shouting, Give me a soul, give me a soul, give me a soul. I submit to you that's where we are in the world right now. All of creation shouting the same thing, give me a soul, give me a soul, give me a soul. It may be politics, it may be education, it may be the political aspect of things, the military aspect of things, the sports aspect of things, but it's all shouting the same thing, give me a soul, give me a soul, give me a soul. And then wanted Christian must live close to Christ. All the centuries long, God has tried to tell us of himself. He gave a syllable to Abraham, Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and so forth. And yet humankind has never been satisfied. Humankind has always been restless, longing, yearning for something more. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. It's not only the longing of Job, but it's the deepest recesses of the human spirit itself. And then suddenly, suddenly there he is on Christmas Day. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Beloved Jesus Christ tells me a couple of things about myself. I ought not to be the way I am, and I don't have to stay the way I am. As the Apostle Paul put it in his letter, if anyone be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new is come. Christianity is Christ. Our calling is to follow Christ, and that means to follow him on a daily basis. Suzanne Johnson was writing in her book called Christian Spiritual Formation, And she says, Christian spiritual formation is a matter of becoming the song we sing, the story we tell. We ourselves are to become the living text of Christianity. The intent is formation, not information. Our task is to let the story so live through us that we're transformed to become as the story is. And so just a few words. I had walked life's way with an easy tread, had followed where compass and pleasures led, until one day, in a quiet place, I met the Master face to face. With station and rank and wealth for my goal, much thought for my body, but none for my soul, I had entered to win in life's mad race when I met the Master face to face. I met him and knew him and blushed to see that his eyes full of sorrow were fixed on me, and I faltered and fell at his feet that day while my castles melted and vanished away. And then we come to the end. My thought is now for the souls of men. I've lost my life to find it again. Ere since one day in a quiet place, I met the Master face to face. And then next, is Christian, must believe in the purposes of the church. Years ago, I was asked to have the prayer at the polio kickoff for the state of Georgia. They had me seated up there next to one of the world's great scientists, a fellow by the name of Dr. Saltz. Brunowski, his name was Dr. Brunowski. It took me half the meal to get up the courage to say anything to him. He was a fellow at Salt Institute. Finally, I said, I was remembering what happened in South Africa, and I said, wasn't it wonderful what they did, transplanting that heart and all? And he looked at me and he said, do you really think so? I said, yes, sir, don't you? He said, preacher, what the world needs is not a new heart, but a change of heart. Perhaps we've never seen that more needed as it is in the world today. Consider widespread injustice, mounting greed everywhere you look, disintegration of the home, the destruction of values and integrity, a militaristic violent world, all of these things. He said what the world needs is not a new heart but a change of heart, and he was right. Now, this is what Paul said, We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Let that roll around in the cobwebs for a little while. We are God's appeal to this world, God's ambassadors for Christ. After a priest had preached a sermon, a young priest, a very imposing woman got after him and said, you are very young to be talking about all that. And the boy pulled himself up to his fullest height and he said, madam, I represent eternity. So do we all. So do we all as the body of Christ, we represent eternity and then finally wanted christian must have a sense of security if we are to have a sense of security we must feel calm and we must be in calm situations as we move out across the world i think one of the finest talks i've ever heard was given by an old retired bishop who happened to show up at an annual conference the presiding bishop asked him if he had anything to say and this old bishop came up to the front and he said yes I'd like to just share a few things with you for which I'm thankful. He said, I'm thankful for the United States of America and the opportunities given me. He said, I'm thankful for my family, the training I've received at home. He said, I'm thankful for the church, not so much for what the church has done for me, but for what I in my own small way have been able to do for the church. Then he said, I'm thankful for God. And I immediately thought of Isaac Watts' great hymn, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. You see, my ideal Christian will look back and see the providence and goodness of God in the past and will understand how that providence and goodness continues working right on into the present and into the future. And so I said to the person who stood at the gate of life, Give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he said to me, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. Wanted Christian, ideal Christian, again, hear the words of our text. Let Christ Jesus be your example as to what your attitude should be. One more time, let Christ Jesus be your example as to what your attitude should be. Let us pray. Oh, God, we're so thankful for Jesus Christ. We're not only thankful that he lives in the world, but that he lives in our own hearts. And we pray, oh, God, that as we allow him to live more and more fully in our hearts, that we can grow more and more like him. Hear the prayers of all of us. Lord, there are so many things we need to pray for, not only ourselves, but others. We need to pray for world peace. We need to pray for people in need. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters worldwide. Hear our prayers on behalf of all others. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you very much for joining us tonight, and I hope you'll be with us next week. Be sure and wish everyone joy in the Lord. Good night.
2: Protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand To ease our suffering And all the while You hear each spoken need Yet love is way too much To give us lesser things Cause what if your blessings Come through raindrops what if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know your needs And what if trials of this life are your mercy?